So it's a real concern that those who are in the healthcare sector have in making that data available and a real concern that the burden really may fall on the patient. Hello and welcome to the HIMSCast podcast on the trend towards digital optimization. I'm Susan Morse, Managing Editor of Healthcare Finance News. Our guest today is Jody Daniel, a partner in Crowell and Mooring's Healthcare Group in Washington, D.C. Welcome, Jody. Thank you so much, Susan. Jody leads the firm's digital health practice and provides strategic, legal, and policy advice to the healthcare and technology clients. So, Jody, it sounds like you have a very varied background in, in the subject that we're talking about. And of course, COVID-19 has affected everything this year. And I'm wondering if you can talk about how has it impacted digital health? It's impossible the last two years to have any conversation about digital health um, without addressing COVID and how COVID has really played a role, um, particularly as we're seeing all these increased incidents right now with uh, COVID-19 and the Omicron uh, variant. Um, but there is a bright side. <laughs> One of the positive things that have come out of COVID-19 and the pandemic is really the, the paradigm shift in the public's use of digital technology and healthcare, um, the perception of um, digital communications between providers and patients, um, and also the, um, the willingness to use digital technology in place of in-person care. Um, and what's happened is, is that because because of the concerns about the spread of the virus, there were a lot of concerns about patients going and seeing providers in person. So really quickly, within like weeks, we saw an explosion of telehealth. Um, all of the resistance to telehealth that we had seen over the years with regard to reimbursement for telehealth or the cultural challenges of providers really wanting to see and touch their patients or the patients really wanting to um, you know, look their provider in the eye in person um, really changed overnight. And we saw um, patients and providers really embracing the technology um, as a way and an effective way of seek, getting their care. We've also seen a lot of investment in digital technology as a result of the pandemic. Um, there, you know, as we see folks relying more and more on digital technology in healthcare, we see more investment in the technology. Um, and I think really the big question is what will happen after the pandemic with regard to digital tools and digital technology it's kind of hard to imagine the genie going back in the bottle, yeah. um, but there really need to be some policy changes to enable the flexibilities that we've seen um, continue so that, uh, that the telehealth and digital technology can really continue to flourish in healthcare. Um, has there been innovation in the uh, revenue cycle or payment space? I mean, what are the issues with the current system of healthcare payments um, for both providers and payers? You know, generally, the current the system of reimbursement for healthcare services was based on sort of that physician, um, you know, and patient in person model with a real fee for service uh, approach to paying for care. And you know, payers would reimburse for particular services. They would reimburse for particular medical technology for the physician's time and services. Um, and uh, when you have like an automated device that is helping to provide efficiencies in care or collect data on patients that really help providers engage with patients or manage those patients, that kind of didn't fit really well in that model um, of, uh, of paying for specific healthcare services by a clinician. 
um, you know, so the 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 current methods or the the past methods of payment and reimbursement sort of didn't don't fit these automated models of providing care, of managing patients, of managing populations. Um, we're seeing a couple of really interesting things emerge as a sure. result. Um, you know, we're seeing some payers offering like a digital first to a virtual first um, health insurance um, where there are, you know, the first interaction is is digital, right? There's a digital front door. Um, there's more access to telehealth or telemental health services, um, symptom checkers, online tools for patients, um, you know, and so we're seeing some innovation in the payment side particularly with regard to technology um, in healthcare. But again, then there's some challenges. So, you know, the traditional CPT codes that we use for, for charge, you know, for, for reimbursement um, are, are meant for professionals, right? They are designed with this service model in mind where providers providing direct service to patients and providing those clinical services. Um, another trend we're seeing is more retail digital health. So direct to consumer healthcare models where, the, the payers aren't paying at all for the services and patients are reaching out directly to get uh, uh, to have a digital service, to have a telehealth service for an acute problem where they'll pay out of pocket because the charge is similar to what they would pay for a copay um, or for taking time off from work to have to go in person to a doctor. Um, so there's really a growing number of, of different ways we're seeing um, services being provided and being reimbursed, you know, but there are, of course, challenges as well that, that kind of, you know, based on the old way of doing things and Medicare, you know, kind of slow to make changes, um, as well as commercial payers um, having, uh, you know, having to try to keep pace. And that's what patients expect now, isn't it? They want to be able to connect, um, you know, through an, something on their phone by text or app, right. the way they do with the rest of their lives <laughs> and they connect with. Um, exactly. Yeah. Where do you see the future of digital health? Uh, you know, what, what do you think is next? Uh, obviously, telehealth uh, is booming. Well, it's according to some reports, maybe it's lessened a bit since the, the pandemic. But, but what do you see as the future in your talks with clients? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, telehealth, uh, clearly, there are a number of new telehealth platforms and telehealth services. We're seeing a lot more remote patient monitoring technology um, as Medicare it, and now commercial payers are beginning to pay for remote patient monitoring and tracking patients between visits. We're seeing a lot more technology that can take advantage of those new reimbursement opportunities. Um, we're seeing digital therapeutics, particularly with regard to behavioral health and mental health, um, where a provider prescribes a digital technology as the therapy. Um, so there are apps that have shown real promise um, and effectiveness in providing um, in, in, as part of a treatment protocol for a patient, particularly in the behavioral and mental health spaces. Um, we're seeing a lot more patient engagement tools as providers are being reimbursed for, uh, for outcomes and as payers are trying to push more toward value-based payment, um, we're seeing a lot more patient engagement tools. So these are tools for coaching, um, prep for, pre for um, procedures, maybe follow-up after procedures to make sure folks are sort of um, are progressing after a procedure or after a treatment. Um, we're seeing a lot more decision support tools. Um, a lot of them are now AI enabled, more machine learning. 
Um, it's and, and that's really exciting because it's going to help bring research into practice way more quickly than we've seen over the years. So where providers will have information about a particular patient um, combined with the, the research and um, the experience. Uh, the um, the learning that we have to provide better diagnosis for patients, better treatment options, um, and and even patient decision support tools, right? So bringing that evidence directly to the patient so they can make their own um, uh, informed decisions. And then, you know, population health management tools uh, for payers, where payers are trying to figure out how to reduce their costs, how to manage a patient population better. We're seeing um, improved dashboards and technologies to manage population health, um, help close care gaps, help with care coordination, help with uh, referrals for social care, just an explosion of different kinds of um of technologies that I think are, are helping at so many different levels to improve the, the experience for patients, for providers, and um, to help with improved outcomes. Well, everything you've mentioned sounds like a, a good thing that technology is doing. I'm wondering if you see areas where maybe technology is not so welcome, where we keep hearing about the patient experience um, can you talk about that? Maybe technology yeah. shouldn't be used everywhere. That's a great question, Susan. We, I think everybody gets really excited about the prospects and the opportunities and the, you know, the promise, right? Um, couple of things. One, there's an expense, right? So there's a lot of money being spent right now on technology, right? So there's, um, you know, there are, there are choices that are being made about how to spend scarce healthcare resources, you know, so that's a challenge. Um, there are new liability risks. So as you add technology into the mix, it's not just clinician judgment or clinician action that can raise liability risks, but there's hardware, there's software, there's the, you know, whether there's good data quality and, um, uh, you know, standardized data that's being put into the system. Um, there's lots of other uh, new points of failure that can raise new risks. Um, and new liability risks. Um, there's concerns about bias being built into technology, right? So, the, you know, we're hearing a lot about um, health equity. Um, and to the extent that machines are learning on data that may be biased data or by clinician decision-making that may have biases built in, we could be instantiating that bias into the technology, into the decision support tools. And that's a huge issue and a huge risk. Um, I think another one is, you know, we talk about health equity is just disparate access to technology. If, in fact, digital technology improves health and health outcomes, um, if it's if it's expensive and not available to some of the, the most needy um, individuals, some of the uh, individuals who might have the most significant health care needs or health care risks, I think that um, there's a risk that technology can enhance those disparities. And that's a that's a, a significant issue that we need to be thinking about. And then just the data um, is always an issue, right? So mm. um, people are trying to develop technology and they need to use uh, data. They need um, lots of data to do machine learning, to develop algorithms. And, um, you know, this may go against patients' reasonable expectations of how that data that they're sharing with their clinicians might be used um, and huge risk of breaches, right? We see more and more um, breaches of, of data in the healthcare space. And the more data we're collecting, the more data we're using to build technology, the more different systems we have that data in, 
the greater the risk of, um, of a cybersecurity event um, mm-hmm. or a data breach. Um, that's always an issue. And then the, on the other hand, we have interoperability, and that's pushing towards the sharing of data or securely. How do you see these two working hand in hand, the, the, you know, where you have to keep information secure, yeah. but you have to share it? That is, that's a great question. So just uh, in, two, in 2020, we saw two new interoperability rules come out of HHS, right? Yes. The ONC rule, and the CMS rule, um, applying to different parts of the healthcare industry. Um, and both of those rules, though, really push for greater access to data, more data sharing um, among providers, between providers and patients, and between payers. Um, again, I think that creates great opportunities for innovation and digital technology, but it really does also inc- change uh, another paradigm shift, right, of um, where where providers and payers are really used to trying to protect the data from their patients. And yes. now they're being told if they don't share the data, they can be in violation of law. So it, it is absolutely critical to make sure that the patient, that the data is following the patient throughout their care journey and is available for um, providers and for the patient themselves. Um, but it is also, uh, you know, it's, it makes it very challenging for those same players that have to both on the one hand protect the data under HIPAA rules and on the other hand make that data available under the interoperability rules. Really, really hard compliance um, for those, those various players. I imagine in your practice, uh, you're advising health systems and others about a lot of this. Can you talk about that? Talk about your background and what you do? Sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we've been working with like all uh, different kinds of entities across the digital spectrum, across the healthcare spectrum. So providers, payers, uh, large technology companies, health technology companies, and then startups. And um, the there, everybody has issues about how can I use or how can I, how do I have to protect the data um, as they're thinking about innovative uh, approaches to providing care, paying for care. What um, what the interoperability rules did was really kind of throw that on its head, as we were just talking about. And there are um, we've been working with a lot of the different players, particularly the plants and the providers, as well as the tech companies and thinking through um, how they have to change their business models in some cases, how they have to share data with patients, um, you know, challenges to identity management when they're trying to talk about sharing data with patients, um, particularly uh, if there's an entity that doesn't have a direct relationship with that patient, like a health information exchange or a health information network. Um, so we've been helping folks figure out how to comply with those rules and how to walk that tightrope between protecting the data and making the data available for needed purposes for treatment for patients, et cetera. Um, you know, and then and then again, we've been working a lot with technology companies that are trying to really fill the gap and take that data and make use of it for the patients um, in their own treatment journey and for those providers to provide the right decision um, tools to them and for payers who are trying to manage populations. So both kind of from the compliance standpoint, what do I need to do to 
to follow the rules. And then, wow, wait, if this data is available, what can I do? How can I improve my systems? How can I improve the, the, um, the efficiency and effectiveness of providing care? How can I improve the, the way we're paying for care? What can we do with that data to really provide a better uh, experience for patients um, and better outcomes as well? A tricky uh, balancing act. Um, I'm wondering where the patient is in all this. Um, if a patient has their phone and, you know, they're trying to pay their bill or make an appointment or do whatever else online, how can that, you know, are you advising on how to keep that secure? You know, or because obviously the patient is ready to do this. Yeah, no, that's actually a great question. I think one of the, the most uh, impactful things that digital technology has done in healthcare is to put the patient in that conversation. You know, back when I was at ONC, uh, when we were first starting to focus on health IT, we kept talking about patient-centered care, but really we we're talking about how does the provider have all the information they need to treat yeah. the patient better? And I remember asking, well, wait, what, what about the patient? And they're like, yeah, this is all about the patient, but nobody was actually the patient wasn't in that conversation. And what I think those the new interoperability rules really do is that they give the patient a role. They bring that patient into the conversation. They enable the patient to manage their own care. They enable the patient to make decisions about the services they want. They enable the patient to engage with their payers to make sure they have the health data that, um, can, that, that would be helpful in managing those services. Um, but you raise a really good point, which is, now that that data is outside of this, you know, the HIPAA protected bubble outside of the providers and the plans and on people's phones or on their laptops or in some new app, um, those protections don't necessarily follow the data. And so it really is about the patient um, being careful about where they're storing that data, what applications and digital technologies they're using and what their policies are with respect to protecting that data. Um, because the the regulations don't necessarily cover um, all that data wherever uh, the patient might maintain it. Um, so it's a real concern um, that those who are in the healthcare sector have in making that data available and a real concern that the burden really can, may fall on the patient to protect their own information once they are managing it for their own needs. That's an interesting point you bring up because the burden may fall on the patient but it's the health system or the uh, health insurer that's held responsible, right? If the data gets out, if, if they're sharing, you know, information with the patient that the patient then shares back. So the way the rules work is that um, the provider or the plan is responsible and required to make that data available to the patient. This is true since HIPAA came out. Yeah. Um, under HIPAA, patients have a right of access. Under the interoperability rules, it's pushing for that access to be electronic and through the, the through third-party apps that the patient chooses. A planner provider generally can only um, choose not to share data with an app if they're concerned about the risk to their own system, not if they're concerned about the risk to the data once, uh, once it's moved. So if a patient says, I want my information to be shared with XYZ app, and the provider says, well, I'm not sure XYZ app has great privacy policies. And they said, well, I don't care. I want you to send it to XYZ app. The provider will send it to XYZ app, and the provider is not going to be responsible if that app 
then has a breach or does something with the data that is not they're not responsible for or that that was inappropriate. So it really is a little bit of um, of buyer beware on the part of the patient to make sure that they're only um, making their data available to trusted applications uh, that will use their data um, at their direction. Thank you. That's very interesting. And I'm sure we're going to be hearing more about this in the future as uh, these interoperability rules take hold. Um, What else do you see for the future, Jody? 2022 is right around the corner. 2022 is right around the corner. I think we will see um, changes in, in policy to better support continued availability of telehealth, remote monitoring technologies. I think that that is a trend that we will see continue. Um, We're looking forward to the interoperability enforcement rules coming out this year. Um, And, you know, I think that we'll get a little bit more direction on how the government will be thinking about those rules once we have um, some enforcement uh, uh, direction. Um, So that will be something to watch. Um, I think that we will see a continued uh, uh, approach toward better data sharing with including social determinants of health as we think more about racial equity. And I think there'll be more um, technology that brings in that kind of data into the clinical decision making. I think that's actually a really positive um, transition to really look at the entire person and all the different factors that might impact health. Um, And I think we're going to see a continuation of Uh, funding toward innovative digital technology. It has really exploded during the pandemic over the last year and a half. And I don't see any sign of it stopping. Um, You know, the calls literally are coming in uh, every day from (laughs) new innovative technologies trying to figure out like where there's an angle, what their strategy is and how the regulations may impact that. Um, So, you know, I think keep watching the policy changes and keep watching the innovation. Um, it's a lot to monitor. We're, uh, we're doing that daily for clients, trying to monitor their, uh, the policy changes and help them think about how it really impacts their strategy. Um, so I'm really excited that we'll both come out of the pandemic and we'll see innovation at the same time <laughs> next year. Great. Uh, Jody. thank you so much for your insights into this important subject. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much, Susan.